So we're going to continue on with that theme today. Uh, so turn in your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 2. And uh, the week before I left, we covered the first uh, half of that, uh, of that passage. And we're going to cover the second half of James chapter 2 today. As you know, we've been going through our series and talking about James. It is considered to be the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's so full of wisdom, practical living, and application for our life today. And how many of you guys want to know how to live out your Christianity in a practical and relevant way? Come on, here today. Five of you. Fantastic. Uh, the rest of you will get something out of this as well, I promise. And so we're going to jump right into it. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. And it reads, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace and be warmed and filled without, having, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I say, I show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. The faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would just speak to us clearly. That God, we would hear your voice uh, today speaking to us. Um, God, I pray that as I communicate today, that I would communicate in a way that's relevant. Uh, I pray that I would communicate in a way that makes sense to today and uh, that we'd be changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Uh, a couple of things going on here in this portion of, of, of the passage. And some would look at it and say there's two things at work. There's faith and there's works. What is faith? Faith is our trust and our belief in God. Okay? And so that is faith. We say we believe God. What we're saying is we trust God. Uh, we, we believe that he is who he says he is. Okay? And that's our faith. That's the faith aspect of this passage. But then there's also the works portion of this passage. And the works speak of this. They speak as believers of our attitudes, our conversations, our expressions, our interactions with others, how we carry ourselves. A lot of people, when they see this word works, they immediately think of charitable contributions. We're doing a backpack drive. Good works. Yay. Okay. That is a part of it. Charitable outreach is good. But that is not the only thing that it talks about when it talks about works. This word works is actually used in three contexts within the, uh, within the scripture. The first time it's used in the Old Testament, it's talking about God and his works. Okay. Genesis 1. In the beginning... God. 
And what did God do? He created the heavens and the earth, right? And, and, and then he filled the earth, right? And he created the animals and all that stuff. God, how do we know he's God? He's God because he created. These are his works, and his works express the fact that he is God. He doesn't just say he's God. He shows people the fact that he is God, okay? God works creation. In the New Testament, speaking of Jesus, Jesus is on the scene. He proclaims to be the Son of God, the Messiah. But then he accompanies his confession with works. And his works now that people observe and people see come and back up the fact that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. God creates heavens and the earth. Those are his works. Yep, he's God. Jesus, New Testament, comes along, does miracles, signs and wonders, forgives people of their sins. Yep, he's Jesus. In the same context, then, we as believers now have works. We say we believe. How do we know you're a believer? Just because I say I'm God? No, because I created the heavens and the earth. Just because I say I'm Jesus? No, because I did works that express that I'm the, I'm the Messiah, the Son of God. Just because I say I'm a Christian? No. James is saying this. You've got to have works just as God had works, just as Jesus has works. If you confess to be a Christian, there are works that show that you are a Christian. Are you with me this morning? Okay. James is not saying there's faith and there's works. James is saying faith and works are one and they complement each other. Faith without works is dead. In other words, faith without works, that's not faith at all. You can say you believe Jesus, you can say you believe who he is, but if there's nothing there to back it up, you're all talk. This is what James is talking about. James brings in the account of Abraham. Abraham wasn't justified by his faith alone. Abraham was justified by the fact that he had works. What were his works? He believed God enough, he trusted God enough to walk out in obedience the sacrifice of Isaac. You can read that in the Old Testament, Genesis. And he goes through this, and obviously you know the story. God steps in and says, man, I know you really believe me now. I know you really trust me. I, man, your confession, it's obvious. And he provides a ram caught in the thickets. Okay? It wasn't just what he said he believed. It was his actions. It was his works that expressed that as well. Okay? So James is talking about this. And he's saying, look, man, faith apart from works is dead. You can't just have works either, though. Okay? But faith works complete package. Uh, apparently, uh, this was a problem back then. So much so, we, we've been going through the, uh, the, the book now, and we see that James addressed trials. Count it all joy when you yourself, find yourself in various trials. How are we supposed to behave in those instances? With joy. Okay? Uh, he talks about anger. He talks about not just being a hearer of the word, but make sure you're a doer of the word also. Uh, the last uh, Sunday before I left, we talked about not having partiality, but treating everybody as, they, as, 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 a, as a Christ follower. We should treat people with respect. We should honor people, no matter of their status, no matter who, who they are. Here now, a very important thing comes up, and James addresses it. Okay? And he addresses it because obviously as he looked out, he saw a lot of people that confessed Jesus Christ, that said they were Christians, that said they were Christ's followers, but when observed, there was no works to back it up. At one point, James actually gets mad as he's writing. Look at it, James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. And if we're going to read it properly, even the demons believe and shudder. 
Explanation point. He gets a little bit ticked off at this point. He's saying this, look, do you believe? Good job. You're no different than a demon. Actually, if we read it in context, the demons one-up it. They believe, and they shudder in fear. Now remember, he's writing to the church. Yeah, you believe? Great. But it's not just enough to believe. What does your lifestyle say? What does your lifestyle express? What do your interactions with others say? What, what are your dealings with your neighbors, business transactions, how you, how you walk through certain seasons of your life, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your kids, how you, how you deal with your money? Well, what are those you say you believe, but when people observe, what do they see? Okay. What do they see? James obviously observed something. God now compels James to write this to the, to the Christians that are scattered abroad. But God also now allows us to read it today because maybe it's a question we need to ask ourselves today. In a culture that 95% of our country, or 94% of our country would say they believe. But now when you step back and observe, their actions would say something completely different. Their works would say something completely different. They confess, oh, I believe, I believe. But here's the reality is we want Christianity to be, to be palatable. We want, we want Christianity to be, be tolerated by everybody, so we talk about God. But don't get too fanatical, don't get too radical, and don't start talking about Jesus. Because now we just took it to a whole other level. And see, so you get so excited to talk about God, and all of a sudden Jesus slips out, and people are like, whoa, I was cool with the God thing. But you just brought Jesus into the equation. Okay? James is saying, look, guys, you can confess all you want, but what does your lifestyle say? What do your actions say? Now, I've got to be honest with you. I just got back from vacation. And this is not the message I wanted to preach when I got back from vacation, okay? If you're a, if you're a first-timer here today, I'm sorry, <laughs> okay? This is, you know, you probably wanted me to come back and, and have a pump-me-up, feel good. You can make it through anything. It doesn't matter if you sinned at all. God's love covers everything. Go in peace, my children, Okay? But I had to be sensitive, because this is something the Holy Spirit, I've been meditating on this passage. I had 23 hours on the drive home to meditate on this passage. Like, I'd listen to podcasts, and every podcast I would listen to, they could be preaching out of a different book, and it would just come back to this passage for me. God's been working something in me for the last two weeks, and so I, I can understand that it might be hard to comprehend it in the next 30 minutes. But this is what James is saying, and it begs the question of us today. What do your works, what does your lifestyle say? Does your lifestyle say that you're a Christian? Do your interactions with neighbors, coworkers, does it say that you're a Christian? What does your lifestyle say? 
Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people know that you're a Christ follower? But see, we, like, we don't like to talk about Jesus. We don't like to talk about Christ. Here, as a matter of fact, let me just, just prove it to you. When you see somebody that's going through something difficult, typically what we do is our heart goes out to them, and we'll, we'll gradually make our way over there. It might take us minutes. It might take us hours. For some of us, it takes us weeks. And we go over to our coworker and just say, you know what, I really noticed that you're having a, a rough time right now. Yeah, it's been bad. You know what you should do? Maybe you should come to church with me. Because church is palatable. We go there and, and we have some music, you know, and, and, and a beautiful woman, my wife. We celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary this last week. We made it to 15, baby. Let's go for 16. We can do it. <laughs> and then we make it, but that's, that's easy. Come to church. As if church is going to save them. As if church is the answer. Church is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. He always has been and always will be the answer. But we come over and say, I can see you're going through a hard time. You should come to church with me. And then you put it all on me. <laughs> oh, I pray the pastor preaches the right message today. If he doesn't, I'm taking him to the other church next week. And then I preach this message and nobody comes back. <laughs> what we need to do is we need to go over and say, hey, I noticed you're having a rough time. Can I pray for you and introduce you to Jesus? Because Jesus is what's going to save them. Because Jesus is the answer. Not church. But the reason we don't feel comfortable going over there and saying, hey, can I introduce you to Jesus? Is because your lifestyle doesn't express that you even know Jesus. So when you walk over and say, hey, can I introduce you to Jesus? They're like, whoa, you're a Christian? Wow. So we say, hey, can you go to church? Oh, you go to church? Every now and then. You should come with. We make it palatable. We claim to know him, but our actions, words, lifestyle, etc. do not show it. This was happening. James addressing it's something that maybe we need to talk about today. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, I want to take you there. Because the same thing is addressed as, as the scriptures are being penned. And there's seven churches written to or written about. Some of it good, some of it bad. I want to take you to, to Revelation chapter 3. And I want to read to you very quickly uh, about a church named Laodicea where something very similar was taking place that James addressed. And it reads this in, in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write... The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's creation, verse 15. I know your works. Same word. James addresses works. Your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm... And neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Some say spew. Some translations might say vomit. The word literally means 
to vomit or to spew with force. So because you're lukewarm, because you say you believe, but there's no works backing it up, it's exactly what he addressed. Your works are neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. Blah. That is not an encouraging scripture. Because, now here's what we need to understand, okay? Because some people would read this and be like, oh man, I got to be hot for Jesus, but not cold. I mean, rather, and some people, you know, interpret it this way, it's better for me to not be for Jesus at all, or to be totally for Jesus, but not in between. I mean, if I'm not for Jesus at all, there's some hope for me. If I'm for Jesus all the way and I'm hot, then that's really good, but if I'm lukewarm, that's a scary place to be. Let let, let me just tell you what the, the scripture's actually saying. They understood the word choice that was being used in Laodicea. Because in Laodicea, two things were at work. One was, uh, they they were a very wealthy city, but they had a hard time getting water there. And so they got got water from two different sources. One of them was, it was really cold water, and that was brought in. And another place, it was from hot springs, and they brought that in. But many times, by the time it got there, it was lukewarm. And so they would have to do something with it, because who likes lukewarm water? Hot's good, cold's good. Another reason why this made sense to them is because at that time, they would have religious celebrations, and at these religious celebrations, they would serve hot drinks or cold drinks. Not much different than today, right? We have cold water out there for you. We have hot coffee out there for you, okay? Hot's good, cold's good, lukewarm's not, right? You have hot tea and you have iced tea, right? Now, I'm not one of these people, but some people like to drink, uh, you know, a cup of hot milk before they go to bed because it helps them sleep better. You ever heard that before? Me, it just gives me a tummy ache. I don't do that. Okay? Okay? Like, I, I stopped by and I got a coffee today uh, uh, from Starbucks, okay, on the way here. And I asked, can I get a caramel macchiato? Grande. It's one of my favorites. Take notes. Okay. So can I get a grande caramel macchiato? You know what they asked me? Would you like that hot or iced? Nowhere on the menu does it say, would you like that lukewarm? Why? Because you drink something lukewarm. It's not like when you come in, you know, and you've been doing physical activity, you're running, like, i got to just get a lukewarm glass of water, please. Okay? Matter of fact, my wife, she gets the, the, the caramel macchiato sometimes. She'll drink it. It'll sit around, and it'll get lukewarm, and she can't stand it. Oh. She spews it out, right? Okay? So what does she do? She either goes and gets ice and turns it into an iced caramel macchiato, or she takes it over to the microwave, and she heats it back up. Why? Because... Hot is good, cold is good, lukewarm not. So at these religious celebrations, they would have the hot and they would have the cold, but what they would do is they would serve the, you know, the, 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 the important people first. And so they would go around, would you like hot or cold? And they would give the important people the hot if they wanted hot or the cold. But by the time it got to the less important people, which James addressed in the first part of chapter 2, by the time we got to the less important, it was lukewarm, and, and, and this was an insult to them. Because lukewarm, and they're like, it's lukewarm, I don't want that. Okay? So here's what, and notice it's red letters in Revelation. So this is what Jesus is saying to the church. I can't stomach you. I wish you were cold because that's good. I wish you were hot because that's good. But because you're lukewarm, I want to, spe- I can't palate it. I can't take it. It's nasty. Because your works don't line up with what you say you believe. I have to ask myself this question. When God looks down on his church today, 
Does it make him want to vomit? Or, or, or our works. Oh, look, we're doing a backpack drive. But what are our actions? What are our interactions? What are our words? What are our conversations with people? What about our conversations about people? Because we're really good at looking at people on Sunday and smiling. How you doing? God bless you. Thank you for coming to church. Did you see the outfit she had on yesterday? Well. Now, this is something God's been working in my heart for a couple weeks. I've been convicted. If I could have stand up and responded on that 23-hour drive, I would have stood up in the car. But I would have hit my head. I mean, God was working overtime. Faith without works. Revelation calls it lukewarm. James calls it a person that says they believe, but there's nothing to back it up. Same thing. Same thing. What, what, what does this person look like? Here, here, let me give you some things. And I don't have a PowerPoint today because I couldn't do it in the car. Lukewarm Christians, people who say they believe but don't live it. Number one, ten, let me give you ten things. Just, are they, are, did someone actually get them up there? Were they there for the first service too? Oh, work people. You get a pay raise. That's awesome. Number one, just they're on the screen. I put them together in the car on my drive back. It was tough, but man, I did it. Hard work. Next time, let me know so I can take credit for it. Thank you. Number one, these people care more about what people think than what God thinks. They care more about what, what people think than what God thinks. And can I just tell you, this is one of those ones as a pastor, God was really working on me. Because as I'm contemplating, you know, James chapter 2, 14 to 26, I'm saying, God, what do you want me to preach? There's got to be something like nice and fuzzy in here that I can preach, you know, and I'm looking because I want to come back and I want you all have missed me. And this is not the message you preach when you get back and people say, oh, we really missed you. This is like, hey, pastor, go on another vacation. Because as a pastor, I'm probably the most guilty of this one. Because if I, I, if I preach a message you like, you all slap me a high five and you say, I'll see you next week, Pastor. But then if not, you go out the other door and avoid me and I don't see you for weeks. And so I want to please. But I'm convicted of this and, and, and even with this message today and I felt like Holy Spirit was saying, Ben, do you want to please them or do you want to please me? And I'm like, both. Is that doable? <laughs> but see, we got to please God. But lukewarm, people that believe, say they believe, but don't live it out, they, they want to please people because they don't want to offend anybody, and they want to have friends, they want people to like them. And but where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Yeah, so we can't engage in, in conversations with certain people about certain things because that doesn't please God. We can't, we can't spend our money maybe the way somebody else spends their money because that doesn't please God. But, man, they're going to think I'm weird if I don't. Well, number two, they never share their faith with others or rarely share their faith with others. 
I believe, and that's what's good for me, and man, it was really powerful, it was a really awesome experience, but I don't want to offend somebody else, I don't, want to, I don't want to pass on the hope that I have. I mean, we probably still care about people, and, and deep down inside, we might want them to get saved, but we're never the one to engage in that conversation, so we, we just kind of wish from afar. I really hope that they get saved, I really wish you would send somebody their way, and I hope that they find you, but, but we... We don't share our faith. We don't tell others about the hope that we have. Number three, they do whatever it takes to alleviate their guilt. They do whatever it takes to alleviate their guilt. And we know this because we'll show up once every six weeks to church because, wow, shouldn't have done that this week. It did really good for five weeks. We didn't see you during those five weeks, but then you did bad one week, and here you are at church. Whew. Alleviate. Man, I messed up. I better get to a Bible study. I mean, the reality is, is that, that most of our messages in churches today are geared towards alleviating people from their guilt. Most of our altar calls are geared towards alleviating people from their guilt. But James is saying faith like that is useless. Faith like that is useless. Number four, they think more about life on earth than in heaven. They think more about life on earth than in heaven, but our promise is life and life more abundant, eternal life with him. And, but we think more about life here, and so, and so we think about our home, and I need a nicer home, I need a better home, I need a better car, I need a boat, I need this toy, I need that, and, and I should probably get one of these, and we think more about here rather than storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And so all my focus, everything, even my church attendance and, and the church I attend and the things I do, it's all about the here and now rather than the afterlife. And so I'm consumed with now forgetting that the promise is life with him for eternity. Number five, they gauge their morality by how others live. They gauge their morality by how others live. Yeah, I know I blew it, but at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. We build Bible community, community groups around it. Man, I really blew it this week. That's okay. So-and-so, they did this. Oh, really? I feel so much better about myself now. What's even worse yet is we gauge our morality by how we used to be. Well, at least I'm not as bad as I used to be. Good, you're making progress. That's awesome. That's, that's good. You're making steps, but we can't gauge our morality by how we used to be. I mean, I used to sleep with my girlfriend every night, but now I'm just doing it once every month. Good, but stop. <laughs> Marry her. 
Put a ring on her finger. Be a real man. Uh Uh-oh. Can we gauge it by how we used to? If you're a first-timer, welcome to Urban Church. (laughs) Next week's message will be lighthearted and fun. We can all gather around some kumbaya. Number six, they want to be saved from the penalty of sin without changing their ways. They want to be saved from the penalty of sin without changing their ways, without changing their lifestyle. Man, I messed up. Jesus, forgive me. But then there's no change. I want that, I want my sins forgiven, but I don't want to have to change the way I do life. Number seven, they only turn to God when they are in a bind, when they're in need. Pastor, can I come over to your house right now? I really need prayer. Where have you been for the last three months? I mean, I'll be back at church, but I just really need some prayer right now. I'll be there Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 10.30. See you there. They'll come over and we'll pray for them. And they'll be at church that Sunday and then three months will go by. Pastor. Only God when they're in a bind. Number eight. They give when it does not hinder their way of giving or living. They, hinder, they, they, they give when it doesn't hinder their way of living. Oh, let me, I can buy a backpack. Absolutely, I'm doing really good right now financially. We're not talking about you going broke to give. Oh, I can, you know what, this month I think I can tithe. I can do it this month. I, I drank a few less coffees last month and I think I can make it. I can do it. That lukewarm coffee wasn't doing it for me anyway. Number nine, they aren't much different than the rest of the world. They aren't much different than the rest of the world. Let me just sum it up in number 10 real quick. This will sum them all up. They want the benefits of what Christ did without conforming to who he is. Want the benefits of what Christ did, a life and life abundant. Let's but they don't want to make any changes. But yet Matthew chapter 3 makes it very clear that, that when you receive Christ, there is fruit unto repentance. There's a lifestyle change. Things are different now. And they're not different because they have to be. They're different because you want them to be. That's how you know when it's a true conversion. I, I, I sinned before because that's what I did. I'm a sinner and it's fun. But Jesus Christ came into my life and forgave me my sins. And, and man, that was fun. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I lived like that. What was I thinking? That was not fun. This is fun. This is freedom. This is life and life abundant. I'm not doing that not because I don't want to. I'm, 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 I'm doing that because I don't want to anymore. I'm, I'm doing that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because here's the thing, though. Most Christians, what they do is they, I believe, okay, what do I have to do now? Oh, I have to stop doing that? Okay. Oh, I can't do that anymore. Oh, there's probably going to be a really big learning curve with that one. (laughs) 
But when true conversion takes place, it's like, oh, man, I was horrible. What was I thinking? And you, you just don't even want, like, I can't believe you literally look back and you look and you say, there's no way that could have been me. Because truly, old things are passed away and all things became brand new. And I look at that person, I'm like, no, there's no way that was ever me. Your mind can't wrap around it because it's now renewed and you're like, wow. It's a whole new me. It's a whole new picture. It's a whole new world. Are you with me? Every once in a while, Disney just comes out of me. But do we believe our works will say so? Our works will show us. See, the reality is, is that we get enough of God to satisfy us, but we don't get enough of God to change us to the point to where our heart aches for those that don't know him yet. Get enough of God to satisfy us. Oh, church was good. I feel so good today. But do we get enough of God to change us to the point where I've got to tell somebody. I've got to let somebody else in on this. This is so good. I mean, this is so amazing. I mean, I've got to get somebody in on this thing. I mean, what, what took me so long to see it, to discover it? And so here I am as a pastor, and over the last couple of weeks, I'm wrestling with this. I'm thinking, I can't preach that on my first Sunday back, but that's where we fall in James chapter 2. Okay, I'm going I'm I'm to please you, God, and not them this weekend. And hopefully every other weekend here on after. <laughs> and I'm confronted with this, and I'm looking at my life, and I have to sit back, and I have to ask myself this question as I'm trying to be a people pleaser to build the church and get people back. Have I become a, a full-time pastor and a part-time Christian? Do I, do I care more about being a pastor? Or do I care more about being a Christian and loving Jesus? And his word and not compromising it. But then in turn, I have to ask this question. Uh, are, are you a full-time businessman and a part-time Christian? Are you so consumed and a full-time mom and, and a part-time Christian? Because Christianity permeates every area of our life. It's, it's not something I can just choose to become for this moment and then not for this moment. Because that's dead. Am I a full-time barista and a part-time Christian? I'll, I'll live my Christianity outside of being a barista. Or have I been so radically? See, Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross so that we could be lukewarm. Because it's an oxymoron, lukewarm Christian. It, it doesn't work. There's no such thing. The very essence of being a Christian means that I've died to self. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. I've, I've denied myself. I've picked up my cross, and I'm going after Jesus. He's the way, the truth, the life. There's none other but him. He's the only way to God the Father. And so when someone says, yeah, I'm just struggling. I'm just kind of a lukewarm Christian. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. They're, 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 that's the person that God vomits. There's, I'm a Christian, and I'm not. And if I'm a Christian, 
God's works created God. Jesus works Messiah, Son of God. Christian, wow, works. You really do believe. Faith without works isn't faith at all. Faith when people see your work, wow, that, hmm. And so the reality is this, as we close today, the reality is this, is there are people in here right now, you're sitting here, and if you're new, hopefully you'll come back next week. But you're sitting here and you don't even have a relationship with God. You're not hot, you're not cold, you're not lukewarm, you're just... But today you can know him. But I think scarier than that is that there's people sitting here right now and you're lukewarm and you don't even know you're lukewarm. And what's even scarier than that is the fact that there's some people in here that are lukewarm and you know you're lukewarm and you don't care. And so the same challenge that James brought to the church scattered abroad, the, the, the same challenge that the angel of the Lord brought to the church at Laodicea would come to us right now and ask this question. Do you really believe? Do you really believe? Do you really believe? Do you really believe? Are you hot? Awesome. Awesome. Are you cold? Good. That's good. You're wavering in between? I'm sorry, but I I can't palate that. So I want to ask this question this morning. And I want to have an altar call like maybe we haven't had in a while at Urban Church. Because I, I don't know about you, but when I, I, when I dream of Urban Church and I dream of the church that God has called us to continue to pioneer in the city of San Diego, three and a half years in now, I don't want him to look down and say, oh, good backpack drive, but Mm. Man, that was some good worship this morning. Wasn't that good worship this morning? That one song we did, wasn't that song good? I mean, they're all good, but that third one, I just felt it. I want God to look down on the church and say, wow. Now you guys, man, it is obvious. Because the way you talk, the way you the way you interact with people, the way you spend your money, the way you love each other, not just when you see each other, but when you're behind closed doors. Man, we had, we had Betsy and Guillermo stay at our house for two weeks while we are gone. Man, because I just planted some new plants and I didn't want them to die. <laughs> and man, last night when we walked in, the house was spotless. Now, I can clean a little bit. My wife can clean really good but I don't know if our house has been that clean in a long time. Like, I was like, Whoa. I was like, maybe they should live with us and clean for us all the time. <laughs> but you know, when I walked in, you know what I felt? I felt like, wow, they really love us. And then there was a plant, little flower. <laughs> trying to think of what kind of flower it is. It's a, a orchid. And I'm praying that I don't kill it because I'm horrible with orchids, but I'll figure this one out. And I had a little card there. We miss you. We love you. I was just like, 
mean, no one saw them do that. So I want to ask you this question, because I really believe this with all my heart, that today can be a defining moment for many of us, and, and probably needs to be for most of us. But you're here today, and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I, I thought I was on fire for God, but I realize now that I'm lukewarm. Or, or maybe you're the one that's here, and you're like, Pastor, I am lukewarm, and I knew I was lukewarm, but I realize I need to change today. Or maybe you're here right now and you're saying, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I just need Jesus. And the Bible says, if you can confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. So I'm just going to make all the newcomers even more uncomfortable right now. Not intentionally, but I just want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If you are here today and you are saying, Pastor, I needed this message because I am lukewarm. I am doing this, and I am doing that, and I am doing that, and I come to church, and I try to cover it up, but I realize that my life, listen to me, you just look at the church, why is the divorce rate just as high in the church as it is out of the church? Because we say we believe, but we don't live it. Why is pornography just as big of a problem in the church as it is out of the church? But then we put on this face and come on Sunday morning and sing a song. But you're here right now, this moment, you'd say, man, I, I've got to make this a defining moment for me. Every eye open, every head up, and you'd say, I'm tired of living lukewarm. I've got to get hot. I've got to get cold. I've got to do, I've got to move on with my relationship with Jesus. Can you stand to your feet right now? I want to pray for you.